Welcome to Witchcrafted. I'm your host, Joshua Lancaster, and today's subject is growing up a Southern gay. Now, before we begin, I want to explain that I was born on March 28, 1989, making me an Aries, and I grew up in a really small town. See, I was born on a military base in Colorado, and then my dad moved us back home to Woodbury, Tennessee. Honey, we are talking small town vibes here. (laughs) When I lived there, there were three stoplights in town, and the nicest restaurant was called Joe's Place, and I'm about 90% sure that most of the food was just reheated frozen food. And the grocery store, the best one we had was the Piggly Wiggly. Now, it's been 17 years since I was exiled from that town, so maybe it's better, but I wouldn't place any money on it. Anyways, there's a lot of friendships and family stuff that happened, but we're going to kind of skip over that because that's another episode, but we're going to kind of talk about what I went through. So let's talk about coming out. We see people on YouTube and TikTok coming out to their families, but sadly, I didn't have that chance. Most people have these moments where they sit down with their parent and they go, hey, I'm gay, and I didn't get that chance, and it's always been something that I kind of regret. Now, all the little boys wanted blue things and dump trucks, and all I wanted to do was play with Barbies and have everything pink. I was even obsessed with playing as the Pink Ranger when me and my friends would play outside. But sadly, I wasn't allowed to be the Pink Ranger, and I knew that I wasn't allowed to, so I decided to be the Red Ranger. There's this really awkward photo of me as a kid standing in front of a guy dressed up as the Red Ranger. And spoiler alert, the Rangers don't exist. So, the Power Rangers anyways. I never really fit in. I was always called gay, but I didn't know what it was. Growing up in a small town, people just used phrases and never really explained them. I was always called the F word, and I was called gay, and everything else in the book, and it was really hard for me to be like everybody else. But I didn't know what it meant. What did it mean to be gay? Well, one day, when a kid was torturing me on the bus, I asked, what is gay? They laughed and somebody finally explained it to me. They told me it was when another man was with another man or when a woman was with a woman. And I was so confused. I didn't think that was possible. How could you be with the same sex? How was that even a thing? I really didn't understand it because, once again, I didn't have internet and there was no gay icons on TV that I could watch. So I really didn't understand until I was 13. When I was 13, my mother had gotten a dial-up computer, and we used AOL, and it was a gateway computer. Now, if you remember what that sound is, I hope I didn't just trigger something in your brain, but I hope it was, you know, a moment that you can relish in and go, thank God we don't have to do that anymore. Does anybody else remember AIM Messenger, or was that just a me thing? Is this like a parallel universe where I'm the only person that remembers that AIM was a thing? If you remember that, great. If not, you may be a little too young for this podcast. Well, I got an AOL chat name and saw that there was a group called M4M. And I didn't know what it was, so I went into the chat room and I found out that it meant male for male. It was a gay chat room. It was where men would talk to men. And one of the things I saw on the on there multiple times is people posting a dash S dash L. 
And I didn't know what it meant, so I asked, and somebody laughed and said, how old are you? And I immediately logged out. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was like, whoop, they figured me out. I'm too young to be here. So I immediately jumped out of the chat room. But then the next day, decided to try again. And somebody said, what's your ASL? And I knew that it meant age, sex, and location. Well, great. Now I know what it means. And now I can say something. But this was an adult chat room. It wasn't for kids. So I put 18 male in Tennessee. And boy, was that a mistake. The moment I posted that, I got so many private messages from guys being like, hey, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm located in Tennessee, too. And I immediately panicked and logged off again. Well, this time I stayed off for about a week or two because I was really, really scared that these people could find me. You know, we were always told of stranger danger. So why wouldn't they come after me and find me? Well, I logged back into that adult chat room posted the same thing, but this time people were a little bit more lenient on me. One guy immediately knew that I was gay, so he kind of told me that there was another male-for-male chat room that were for people under the age of 18. Wait, there were other gay people that were under 18? I had to check out this chat room. So he kind of told me how to look it up, and I found it, and it said M4M under 18. Well, I had no reason to lie now, so I posted that I was a 13-year-old male who lived in Tennessee. I got a couple questions answered by talking to other people, and I met a couple of cute boys, I'm not gonna lie, and I knew right then and there that it was true. Everything everyone was calling me was a fact. I was gay. I knew what I was, but I was warned by these people to make sure that I didn't tell people because people were getting beat up or murdered over the fact that this was quote-unquote unnatural. So I knew it, and I felt it, but I couldn't do anything about it. Now, one guy that I chatted with openly told me that he was 18 years old and he was about to join the military. He wanted someone that he could send emails back and forth to while he was deployed, and I agreed to it. I printed out his picture and put it in my secret little binder and took it with me everywhere. I wouldn't say he was my first boyfriend because we really never met or talked on the phone. We just chatted every two weeks when I was able to go to my mom's house. I was so in love with him, though. Even though we had only swapped a bunch of pictures, he loved Pokemon and Digimon, and he liked a lot of the same movies that I liked. And, well, he paid attention to me. I told him about what school I was at and how I felt so alone. I started to slowly come out to students at school, but told people that it had to be kept a secret. On the bus one day, a bully told me that she was going to tell my dad that I was gay, and I told her that if she did it, I would kill her. Now, put a pin in that, because it's actually really important that I made that phrase. So... I kept just trying to tell people a little at a time so that I could be myself. So, on Valentine's Day, we were supposed to have a big Valentine's Day dance, and I was super excited. You see, I love to dance. It was one of my favorite things ever. I like to do choreography and dance to Britney Spears and, you know, pretty much anything, which I think led to me being a uh, drag queen later on in life, but... It was really exciting. I knew I couldn't dance with a boy or enjoy those like slow moments with a guy, but I could at least go on the dance floor and dance with everybody else. Well, I get to school and I'm having a great day, and then art class comes around around lunchtime, and I get called to the office. 
as I was about to leave, my teacher stopped me and said, hey, I actually need you to go back to your desk and clean it out. Then I need you to go back to your regular homeroom and clean that desk out as well. Wait, why am I cleaning out my desk? This doesn't make any sense. I'm just going to the office for something. Now, I knew I wasn't the best student in the world. I had a hard time studying. I had ADHD. I had OCD. You name it, I had something. They wanted to put me on Ritalin, but my mother refused. But it was just one of those things where I was like, I'm sure I'm coming back, so it's not a big deal. I went ahead and packed up like I was told to. And that was one of those moments that will always stick in my head. I kept seeing the teacher staring at me and whispering underneath their breath because they knew something that I didn't, and I didn't want to argue with them and try to find out what was going on, so I just decided to go to the office. I entered the office, and my aunt, who was working behind the counter, looked at me. You would think that I had murdered one of her children or peed in her Cheerios or something. This woman looked so angry that she looked like she was about to rip off my head, and I was really concerned at that point. Well, I walked in and my stepmother, my guidance counselor, who I had confided in a lot of stuff about me being gay, a police officer, my teacher, and the principal are all standing there waiting for me. This part is kind of tied into the family episode as well, so you may hear it twice and I'm sorry about that, but I have to tell this story because it's a big part of me coming out. On the table was a little blue bear and a blue rose. My stepmother started to yell at me, who sent you this? I looked at it and I said, I don't know. I didn't know anybody was going to send me anything for Valentine's Day. Maybe it was my mom. She continued to yell at me about the fact that I wasn't gay. And the counselor kind of chimed in and said, no, he is gay, but it's his choice. Excuse me? Did the guidance counselor rat me out and tell people that I was gay? Was that allowed? I thought that anything that was inside of a guidance counselor's office was kept secret unless I was harming someone or someone was harming me. I didn't think that it mattered what I was going through. This was very weird for me and I felt betrayed and that carried a lot into my life. Feeling betrayed by people that are supposed to take care of me became like a big thing in my life and I ended up shutting down a lot. She continued to yell at me over the fact that I wasn't gay, and she gave me a choice that I could either go home with her or go to juvenile hall. Now, a lot of people would say, well, I'd want to go home. Mm, Not with my father. I would rather go to juvenile hall. And we'll get into that on the other episode. Because I knew what was waiting for me on the other side of that door. So I said, I want to go to juvenile hall. Well, my stepmother said that wasn't a choice, which is confusing because you just gave me the choice but then took it away. Yeah, she's kind of a crap person, but we'll talk about that later. Now, as I was being escorted out to the car, the officer looked at me and said, I will find out who did this. I will find out who sent you this rose and teddy bear, and they will go to jail. I will make sure of it, because being gay is a sin. Well, yes, sir, Mr. Police Officer. Thank you for the Bible verse for the day. I got in the car and she continued to yell at me, but all I could do is just stare at that rose and that teddy bear along with the card. One, I didn't understand why she brought it with her, but at the same time, I just wanted to know who sent me the card. I was still so confused about who sent this. Well, she decided to go to the bank and pick up some money, so she left me in the car. Well, the moment that her back was turned, I reached up and grabbed so quick for that card just to find out who sent it to me. 
And it said, Josh, I know that life isn't easy right now, but know that I care for you. Love, F. And I'm not going to say who his name is, but he didn't put it on the card, so nobody else needs to know. Now, I wondered how they found out that it was the guy that I was talking to, but I guess it was the counselor. She ratted me out to my family once she found out about the card and decided to tell my family about everything. Now, I didn't tell her how old he was or that he was in the military because I knew that if I did, there was a chance that she would tell somebody, but I had no idea she would just rat me out, period. Now, I knew I had to get to my mother's because there are emails between me and him having conversations, and I needed to warn him and delete everything that I could off the computer. Well, my stepmother came back to the car, and we went to pick up my grandmother, who is my father's mother just for reference. Now, she turned to me so fast, called me the F word, and just yelled at me just over and over again. She would not stop yelling at me. She kept telling me that I was a terrible person and that I was so lucky to have the family that I have because if I was her kid, she would beat me to death. Just all these terrible things because, well, she's a terrible person. Well, we get to the house and I'm fully prepared for my dad to just beat me into submission, but he's not there. My stepmother told me to go to my room and sit there and wait for my dad to come home. Well, he finally came home and he yelled at me for a while and he walked out and he said that I had to leave the house in the morning. He threw a trash bag at me and said, anything that you can fit in this trash bag, you can take with you. But if you can't carry it over your shoulder, you're not taking it. I'm a child. I'm 14 years old at this point. And my dad is kicking me out of my own home to just wander the streets because he doesn't want to deal with me anymore. I knew that I could probably go to my mom's, but I really didn't know how to get there because the travel time alone is an hour by itself. So walking, I didn't know if I would make it there. Plus, everybody in town knew that I was gay. So was I going to die on the way to my mom's house? Was I going to be beaten to death by somebody? I had heard all these horror stories from people on the internet and on the news about gay people being murdered. Was I going to be the next one? I just didn't know what to do, and I wasn't allowed to use the phone. Well, I started to walk the next day, and my stepmother stopped me and said, Hey, let me call your mom. And she did. She called my mom and she said, your mom has a certain amount of time and then I'm going to make you walk. And I said, okay, well, I start to walk and my dad drives past me like I didn't exist and he just kept going and I kept walking. I didn't make it very far, luckily, because our driveway was really long. So my mom finally found me and I was so relieved because now I get to finally move in with my mom, which is something I wanted for a long time. I was going to move into a townhouse with her, my sister, her soon-to-be husband, and their roommate. Well, I thought that this was going to be a fun trip, but my mother yelled at me all the way there. She started talking about the Bible and telling me how I was going to hell and how it was blasphemy and everything else, but I just kind of listened to it and dealt with it. Now, when we got to her house... Uh, Like I said, she lived with my sister, her boyfriend, and the roommate. When I got there, my sister actually hugged me and told me she knew all along that I was gay. She was the first person to really accept me for being gay, and I always have appreciated that. Now, I got on the computer that night, and I snuck into the chat room, told him what was going on, and he understood. We blocked each other, and I deleted everything that I could find. Now, 
I know I've told this story and a lot of people will jump on the boat of saying, well, he was a pedophile and he preyed on you, so on and so forth. I don't see it that way because we were two really lonely kids. Yes, he was 18 and I was 14, but we were super lonely. He was in the military. He was sad. And I was sad, too. We both leaned on each other. Now, there was never a talk of sexual activity or anything like that between the two of us. We just had conversations. That's it. I promise. I would never lie about this because there's other stories out there that I have to tell that have to do with stuff like that. But... This wasn't that. It was literally a pen pal that I called my boyfriend. He told me he loved me, and I told him I loved him. There was never any nude pictures or even shirtless pictures. It was all selfies, I guess you would call them, where he just saw what I looked like, and I saw what he looked like from his little webcam. I just wanted to touch on that because a lot of people jump on the boat of, well, he was grooming you. Well, not really, because there wasn't anything to groom there because we never had a plan to meet. He never pushed me for anything, and I always felt comfortable with him. And he was the first gay person that I fell for, or at least felt like I had some kind of connection with. So I just wanted to clarify that, and I hope people understand. Now, of course, back to the story. Well, I got ready to go to school the next day at Smyrna Middle School. And I was kind of accepted, but I was scared that they wouldn't accept me either. And the school did not accept me. When I walked in, they tried to pull my transcript, and Woodbeard Grammar had listed me as expelled for 60 days for threatening the life of a classmate. Remember when I told you to put a pin in that? Well, this is it. They went around the school talking to people, trying to find out information about me, and one girl had openly admitted that she said she was going to rat me out to my dad, and I said that I was going to murder her. So I'm listed as being expelled from that school because of the fact that I threatened some girl. So I had to stay home for that 60 days. And during that time, my sister was going through chemo because she had cancer. So I was staying at home to help take care of her. And just fast forward to the first day of school. Well, I walked into school fully prepared for the same culture that I had been in before. And let me tell you, that was totally different. I walked into the school and there were lockers everywhere and people were running all over the place and nobody was sitting still and it was such a big thing. Just in my class alone, there were more people in my class that were than were in my actual entire school at Woodbury Grammar. It was the craziest thing. I was literally being dropped into the ocean when I thought that I was being dropped into a puddle. And not only was I with a bunch of people... I was with people of all different nationalities. I was exposed to black people, Hispanic people. I was exposed to every single race that was out there, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to fit in with these people. There were so many different types of people there that I literally just stayed to myself for a while because I didn't know what to do. Looking back at it now, I feel kind of dumb because it's really not that big of a deal, but at the time, it was scary for me. So many people, so many lockers, class schedules in different rooms. I had only been switched to like three total rooms before, and now I didn't even have the same teacher. I had somebody new for every single subject. It was really, really frightening. Well, I got through the first couple days, and on one day, a girl walked up to me and said, hey, you should come sit with us. And I was like, oh, okay, She said her name was Jessica, and I replied that my name was Josh. And she laughed, and she said, oh my god, you're gay, right? 
no, no, I'm not, I'm not gay. No, I'm not gay. I, I would never be gay. I don't know any gay people. And she said, oh, okay, well, just come sit with us anyways. Well, so I sat down and everybody's talking and I'm starting to get into the rhythm of talking to people. And she looked at me and said, okay, I know you don't want to admit it, but I know you're gay. It's okay. There's a lot of gay people that go to this school. She hugged me and she was like, it's going to be okay. And I didn't believe her because how could I believe her? The people that I trusted before ratted me out and I got in a lot of trouble. Well, once I sat down and we really started to talk, I got to meet the rest of her friends and there was a guy there by the name of Todd. Now, his name's not really Todd, but because of the fact that we haven't dated since middle school and high school, I don't really want to put him his name out there. You know, he's a big part of the public eye, so I'm just going to call him Todd. Now, he is gay and he is openly gay. He does have a partner and they have a baby together, so... It's not like I'm hiding someone because of the fact that they're not gay. I just don't think it's my place to mention him here because it's really not relevant. She told me that Todd was gay too and he thought I was cute. When he smiled at me, he had braces and I kind of let my guard down a little. And he was officially my first boyfriend and I was out and proud. My mother still really didn't accept it. And when I told her about me having a boyfriend, she told me that it wasn't happening. I, of course, ignored her, and I did it anyways. <laughs> it took me getting my heart broken and attempting suicide uh, with a CD case for my mom to sit down and evaluate everything. She talked to me, and a couple months went by, and then she finally told me that she wasn't okay with it, but she knew she had to accept it, that she put it in God's hands, and if God didn't want me to be gay, he would change me. My mom has come a long way since then, so I don't want people to think that my mom is a bad person. She just had a hard time adjusting to it. And I just want to say that I love you, Mom. I went to my first gay pride in Nashville when I was 15, and girl, did I love it. It was small, but it was amazing. So that was my way of growing up Southern gay. I got to go to my first small pride, and let me tell you, the protesters were everywhere. It was crazy. Now, back then, of course, the protesters outweighed the <laughs> people who showed up to Pride. There wasn't a lot of drag performances that I found interesting, but there were a lot of cute boys, and I was a cute boy. So, it worked out in my favor until they found out I was 15, and then that didn't pound out very well. I had a lot of great relationships, which we're going to touch on on other episodes, but I really didn't have it as bad as some other people did. I've heard of people being gay bashed and things like that. Now, I did have an incident in high school where my best friend Amy and I were walking down the hall. It was right after Bush had gotten elected, and I was kind of cornered by all the jocks. They screamed at me and yelled at me, and my best friend came to defend me. And let me tell you, Amy is my ride or die. She was there. She didn't care if she got hurt. And she got me out of that situation. We were gay bashed. She's not even gay. And she was gay bashed. So if we want to talk about somebody being an ally, honey, she was the ally. She is my best friend. And like I said, that's another podcast episode. But yeah, I didn't have it as bad as some other people. 
I know that in other smaller towns, they've had it worse than I have. And, you know, we still deal with today with people of color having problems with their lives. Now, I do want to say on this podcast, we support Black Lives Matter. We can't progress as people until we hold the police and the government to a higher standard. No lives can matter until Black Lives Matter, and I always stand beside that. You know, as gay people, we understand what it's like to be judged, but luckily I'm a white cis male, so I don't have it as bad. You see, as a white gay man, I can hide the fact that I'm gay, but black people can't. Now, trans people are the same way. They can't hide who they are. As they're transitioning, they're kind of in that in-between stage, and they can't hide it. And for me, I love trans people. I think that they are doing something so remarkable, and for people to hate on trans people is very upsetting to me. So I just want to let you know before you listen any further on this podcast that I 100% believe in Black Lives Matter. I believe that there is a time and a place, and right now is the time and place. We need to change. We need to be better people. And the only way that we're going to be able to do that is to fight alongside with them. There were multiple people of color who fought beside gay people who weren't gay, who thought that we deserved rights because they were extremely oppressed And they wanted us to have rights, so they fought alongside with us. And we need to do the same thing. As a gay culture, we're very selfish, and that's okay to a certain extent. But right now, we have a lot of the rights that we have because of black people. And we need to spread that love around and help them out. Right now, they're being tortured. They literally cannot walk outside without being afraid of the police shooting them or getting pulled over by a police officer. I have a friend of mine who constantly lives in fear that her fire alarm is going to go off and a police officer is going to come in her house and shoot her. That's something that we need to change in this world, and we have to be the change. As LGBT people, we have that ability to stand up and say people of color have rights, and we need to accept those rights and help them in any way that we can. I don't want to get on a big speech about Black Lives Matter because I'm not black. I don't know what that struggle is like. All I can do is compare it to the one that I had, and I don't want anybody to go through the things that I've went through. I didn't like being looked at like I was poisonous or deadly or anything like that when I was younger. I can't imagine people going through that their entire lives. So I just want to remind everybody that it's time for a change in our country. People of LGBT deserve rights. People that are of Black Lives Matter deserve rights. Our indigenous people, they deserve rights. Everybody deserves to be able to walk out of their house and smile at their neighbor and not be scared. And that's all I have to say about that. And with that being said, nothing is set in stone. It's your job to craft your future. Bye, guys.